This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thirty seconds to hear. What do you think about flowers? These are for the guests. Uh, Anyone have the promo for the show notes? Wait, where's the Fiji water? Is this this isn't? Is this tap water? Fifteen seconds. Somebody get the cat. I can't drink tap water. Can can someone tell Joe's mom to stop vacuuming? It's not hard to find. Has anybody seen my hair gel? Fijian water, natural. Quiet on the set. Live in three, two. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today you'll learn how to achieve well-being by empowering your family's financial and human capital with founder of Family and Money Matters, Elaine King. Joining us for the discussion is someone who's become part of our family. It's Paula Pant. And finally, the guy who's also a part of the family, but you know, more like the weird uncle who yearly cracks that pull my finger joke. It's Len Penzo. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share my fiery trivia question. And now, the father of Stacking Benjamins, our very own Homer Simpson, it's Joe Salcihai. I don't think, Doug, I don't think, Doug, have I ever gone, oh, you, well, here's what you do do, donuts, <laughs> donuts, donuts, hey, everybody, happy Friday to you all, I am Joe Salci, hi, average Joe Money on Twitter, or X, or whatever we I call it Twix. today, can it be and Twix now, that seems like the perfect <laughs> marriage of Twitter and X, it is, oh, delicious, too, don't do that, I'm hungry. <laughs> Uh, We've got a phenomenal panel, Doug, as you so eloquently said. Let's start off with a couple of the voices that many of you already know. The man deep under Los Angeles in his bunker. It's Mr. Len Penzo here. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing well. Summer is over now, and so I'm going through my supply of summer sausage since it's expired, and uh, I'm going to have to toss that out out into the trash. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They don't get any better, Elaine. They don't get any. We're going to introduce Elaine in a minute. But that's just the beginning of a, hey, uh, Len, I just became friends with this guy who is illiterate, but he's phenomenal. He lives by a bunch of unwritten rules. 
Uh, 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 no, that's a good no? one. Anybody? God, I hope our editors catch that. Uh, is this is this still on? Are we here? Should I repeat uh, my summer sausage joke again or no? <laughs> and someplace far above Manhattan, Paula Pant joins us. Ooh, I don't know why I'm here, but here I am. You, you're here so you don't get fined, right? To quote that uh, Michonne Lynch. Uh, how are you today? I am solid. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Better that you're here and better, Paula, because we have a very special guest today. We do. Yes. She is a woman who's a phenomenal financial planner. She has amazing, amazing social media presence. She's uh, given a lot of financial help to a ton of families, not just here, but in different places around the world. Elaine King is here. How are you? I'm great and happy to be here in such a Good vibe environment. I thought you were just wondering what you were doing here, Elaine. She's like, how did I get booked on this? <laughs> I was just clicking away in Google and I just happened to <laughs> Well, let's talk about you. First of all, congratulations. You were just named again, I think, to the uh, top 10 uh, financial planners by Investopedia. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you so much. Very yeah, cool. I, I made the top 100 and this time it was top 10 for the first time. So I'm very blessed and grateful. Well, it is very well deserved. You have a, a heck of a personal story. Can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are? Because I think your story is very fascinating. Which part? <laughs> yes, right. right. <laughs> yeah, we can start there. You weren't born in America. You were born in Peru. Yes. So I was born in Lima, Peru. And at the age of five, I moved to Toronto because of my dad's work. And then I went elementary in Toronto and middle school in Mexico, high school in Wellesley. And part of Peru. And then I didn't have enough of the traveling, I guess. So then I went to school in um, Austria and also in Texas just to, you know, kind of change and blend. <laughs> and then my master's, I did uh, most of it in Japan. And then um, I moved to Manhattan just so that it wasn't challenging enough. <laughs> and now I am just, you know, having pina coladas in Miami. I'm just kidding. I don't like <laughs> I am enjoying the weather and the beach is amazing here. So you don't like pita coladas, but you do like getting caught in the rain. Uh, yeah. So bad. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, rain is fine because it, it makes you work. So, yes. fun. <laughs> so I think I hear the Peruvian accent in your voice, but you've lost all the Canadian, Elaine. I know. It's it's about. It's about. About. I think her <laughs> accent's going to change four times during the course of this episode. I better hear a y'all <laughs> at some point, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. right. And then park your car because I went to Boston. Yeah, and Wellesley, yeah. Wow. And for Texas, yeah. Oh, what? howdy. Let's talk a little bit about your practice too, though. You're a financial planner helping uh, uh, some families get where they want to go. Absolutely. So I started my career in, in Wall Street in Manhattan. And then I decided to help the family as opposed to just focus on investments as a core. I'm helping all kinds of families from family office profile, you know, four generations, 200 members to, I also help nonprofits with financial planning. And we will link to all of the good stuff Elaine does on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. And also of course, to Len and Paula, we'll talk more about what you have going on right now at the end of the show. But before that, Elaine, I don't know if you know this, but there's a bunch of rules associated with this show and appearing on this show. Have we, did we ever give you the contract? This episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. 
State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I have my attorney still reviewing it because it's so long, but I okay. figure why not just show up and then, you know, we can talk offline. Well, let's let everybody else listen to this and you and I will continue this discussion. Hold on. Well, I think we need to look at subsection C again, though, Elaine, if that's all right. Well, page 232, subsection C, what you're saying, I mean, the third line, I, I don't agree. But, you know, I figured it's too complicated. Well, I think you really have to agree to appear in the uh, in the trivia question at the middle. So we're going to fight about that. Hold on a second. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience my good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their U S based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to Navy federal dot org for full terms conditions and other offers navy and federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender and i'm signing it fantastic well we finally got her elaine king is here we got paula pant len penzo neighbor doug let's get this conversation started Today, we have a piece that really we're not even going to talk about, but I was at TheVerge.com and I saw NASA had this incredibly cool new air pollution map. We will link to it on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com so you can look at it if you're interested in where pollution is around the United States. But I was thinking as I was looking at this pollution map, you know, some areas obviously around uh, Paula where you are in Manhattan, Len where you are in Los Angeles, Elaine where you are in Miami, you'll see more pollution in some of those areas. I started thinking, you know, as a finance show, where is the pollution in our financial plans? Where is the pollution in our financial thinking? Because back when I was a financial planner, man, there was a lot of pollution out there and we can help people clean that up and have some quote, I guess, clean air. If we want to keep that metaphor going, we can clean up the air when it comes to, uh, comes to your planning. So 
Let's start, Elaine, with you. When you're talking to families, what's one big area of their financial thinking or their financial planning where you see a lot of, we'll call it pollution? Well, first of all, I love the topic. And I was thinking, I mean, as a good financial planner, I'm very structured. So I was thinking, okay, so there are internal and external pollutants, and then they're the ones that you kind of create in your mind. Oh, nice. Um, (laughs) I see a lot of them, the ones that you create in your mind, because there's some that you can't control, but there's some that you can control. And maybe you think you have them. And as a financial planner, I can think how to, you know, disperse them out of, of your financial well-being. So the internal pollutants you're talking about, the stuff going on between our ears, that's just junk. Yeah. Like the internal ones, I would say are the ones that you're born with also that your parents told you that, you know, debt is bad or money is hard to get or uh, limiting beliefs and things that your spouse says or your kids say. Uh, the external ones are obviously the ones you turn on the TV and you listen to all the ones that are happening that the media sometimes wants you to see that they really don't exist. But the other ones are the ones that sometimes your mind takes all that information and creates them and says, I cannot do this. And yes, you can. With a little bit of information, you can. I think, Len, Elaine is singing off your song sheet there. I mean, you're about radical responsibility, but to be responsible for your financial goals, you got to clean that up. Yes. You know, one of the big things you got to do is first thing, is what I call money leaks, right? So you got you to gotta watch out for, for things where you're leaking money, where you don't necessarily know where you're leaking money. Like pollution can be, you know, some, a lot of pollution you don't even see, but it's out there. Same with your money leaks. There's certain things that you have that, uh, for example, your spending, your discretionary spending, you might be going out to eat every week and you don't realize what an impact that's hitting on your bottom line, on your income. So that's the kind of thing you got to look at. You got to be looking for those kind of things that are, taking money that you're spending on certain things and you should be putting towards other things that can actually help your financial well-being and maybe make you more money over the long run. I definitely, especially in the second half of today's discussion, Len, I want to give people some tactical advice there. What are some things to clean up on the external things, to use Elaine's language, external things that we can clean up fairly quickly after people listen to the show, they might even be able to hit pause and do it. But let's go back to these internal things, Len. You know, let's take uh, going out to eat, you know, going out to restaurants a lot. There's an issue in our thinking there as well, I think. I mean, let's take that back to why do we go out to dinner so often? Well, it's fun, right? I mean, who, first off, who likes to cook? Not, a lot of people don't like to cook or they can't cook. So they go out and they'll go out to eat. And really that's costing them in the long run, right? So if you put a little little effort into learning how to cook, you could actually clean that financial pollution out of your life, right? Just by buying your own food and not paying for somebody else to make that food for you, uh, you can save a lot. You can save a lot right there. So yeah, that's why I go out to eat, right? It's good. It's fun. But you know what's funny? It started off as fun for me, but there are times I go out to eat now when I'm just lazy, you know, and it truly isn't fun. And and then I'm just just kind of blowing money. Paul, I want to bring you into this conversation because when you and I are answering people's questions on Afford Anything, we're talking about the, the issue sometimes is with your thinking. So I think going back to what Elaine was talking about, what's between your ears, wh- where do we get so confused and have all this pollution in between our ears so often? 
<laughs> well, as Elaine said, there are certain scripts that we are taught as children about money. So, for example, if we saw our parents fighting about money, we learn money is a source of conflict. And so we start to hate money, we resent money because it is a source of conflict. If we were surrounded by grown-ups who told us money is the root of all evil or who associated being rich necessarily with greed, right? Then again, we've internalized these very negative money scripts. And so we have a lot of those scripts, you know, implicit scripts, unwritten scripts from early childhood that permeate into our, our thinking. In addition to that, we also have cognitive biases. Now, those cognitive biases differ from scripts because scripts are psychological. Cognitive biases are innate, you know, negativity bias, uh, loss aversion. Those impact the ways in which we think about and, and handle money that are simply part of the way that our brains are wired. So that's part of cleaning up the pollution in between your ears. And final thing I'll say, going out to eat thing, is what strikes me when I'm listening to both you and Len talk, uh, Joe, is, you know, you talk about it's fun, that's enjoyment. Then you talk about convenience, right? That's another factor. So there's there's enjoyment, there's convenience, there's socialization, there's uh, habit formation, right? There are all of these different needs that going out to eat could satisfy. And so I think part of the the solution is to ask yourself, when I'm going out to eat, which of these unfulfilled needs am I trying to get met, right? And once you can identify that need, then it becomes a question of how else do I satisfy that particular need? There's another piece of that. Well, actually, even before we get to that, Elaine, it sounds like as I'm listening to Paula talk, I'm thinking there's a big piece. A lot of the pollution is around what mom says, know thyself, right? We're all looking outward with our money. I'm looking for the best interest rate on a savings account. I'm looking for the best investment for my money. I'm looking for a great tax strategy. It sounds like what you and Paula and Len are saying, it, it, it really starts with knowing you. Absolutely. I think the biggest pollutant, I mean, if we're just like sporadically talking about, you know, things is when somebody says something and does something else. So I have a client that says, I, Elaine, I'm going to buy, you know, I don't know, I want to do an extension to my home and it's $50,000. But then they go out to eat every day. And oh, by the way, too, um, they're not fit. So when your actions and your money, your goals and your financial actions don't align, that creates stress. And that's like a an anxiety inertia cycle. That's what it creates because then you you feel down. And they have no energy because you can't do this. And then you do it more. And then at the end, you don't have that extension to your home. So I, I'm hearing you, Joe, that you wanted something for the audience to take away is to make a list. I mean, it's as simple as that. And you can do it on a piece of paper. You don't need a complicated software. Just put it, say what you're doing, where your money's going. And is that aligned to what I want to accomplish this month? If it's not, then how am I going to be able to accomplish it this month? And how much is it going to cost me? It's important. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea. And as I'm listening to you, Elaine, I think you can just open up your banking app and go back through how you spent money the last month and go, did that serve me or not? Right. How is this getting me closer to my goal of, I don't know, traveling around the world or starting my own business or doing that extension for my kid, uh, you know, an additional room because we need two bathrooms. I mean, I actually had a client like that that needed two bathrooms and needed that. So how is that getting me closer? Is that additional clothes that I'm buying going to get me closer or not? I think that's the biggest pollutant when your actions don't align to your financial clothes. I prefer to only use one bathroom at a time personally. So 
Oh, I I guess I misinterpreted that. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I think you should have one bathroom for two people in the house. Uh, if you have four people in one bathroom, that makes it hard. That's, oh, my dad grew up with uh, uh, 16 brothers and sisters, and they had one, 17 yes. kids, one bathroom. I was going to yes. say, is it my mom was the same way, 10 kids in one bathroom. Yep. The older houses were like that, right? One garage, three bedrooms, and one bathroom. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole different time. And sadly, too, uh, mostly sisters. My dad had mostly sisters. Oh, my God. So your oh. dad went to the bathroom outside, basically. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lots of mirrors outside in the bathroom. Yeah, the whole world, Doug, was his litter basket. Yes. <laughs> a big garden. That's right. Yeah, there were areas the grass really grew. Everybody's thinking, what the hell are you guys talking about? Where are you at? <laughs> yes. We're talking about pollution, polluting the outside. I think it's <laughs> apropos. Len, getting back to what you said, there's something that strikes me too, is that while Elaine and Paula are talking about knowing yourself, you know, when you talk about going out to eat and then learning to cook, not only is it maybe healthier, but it also then becomes fun. I know how much you like to cook and it, it then becomes, you know, a treat of its own as much as going out and having somebody else cook for you. Being able to design like a curriculum, I think, is a great way to kind of start clearing up the pollution. You got it. I mean, it, there's lots of other, I mean, it can be a hobby too. I mean, you get into certain things that you've, you're trying for the first time, if you like them. I mean, these can actually be a hobby, which will actually help in other ways. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a relatively low cost hobby or something that you can do for recreation as well that will, it kind of snow, it's like a snowball effect that's actually helping your, your finances. I mean, heck man, I mean, you start researching and there's all kinds of, of things that you can learn and spend a good lot of time, constructive time, learning a new skill and uh, getting good. And yeah, I mean, it's beneficial all, all around. I love what Elaine said about really beginning kind of with the end in mind, where do you want to go and do these things serve that mission so normally, if you're cleaning up pollution, it's going to be individual, right? It's going to be based on that. But let's take the different areas of a, of a good financial plan, the external stuff, and let's start going through those. Yeah, what about you? We haven't asked you a question. What's the biggest pollutant that you think? Oh, I think the biggest pollutant for me is what you said about thinking. I think that we think about things backwards. We don't begin with the end in mind. We're so busy. Like I just gave a talk at Camp Phi, Camp Financial Independence. And what I saw was a lot of people that wanted to know all these little leaves on the tree and they weren't focused on the root. You know, people like I'm here for tax planning. And I thought, how do you know what tax plan works for you if you've got no idea where you want to go? And then are people, what's the best investment? Well, what's the best investment if you haven't thought about where you want to go? That is for me, the biggest pollutant. Yes. Very much in synergy with what you said. But Paula, let's ask you, let's go and talk about these external areas of a financial plan. I think we should start with, you know, having good cash flow, getting a handle on our debt. What are some areas where we may have pollution in those spots and how do we start to fix it? Sure. When it comes to cash flow, uh, the biggest thing is keeping your fixed expenses significantly below what you make. Because if you do that, then you have the wiggle room to be able to fluctuate with your discretionary, your monthly uh, discretionary expenses. And so I think a lot of people, they do the opposite. They overfocus on the discretionary expenses on avocado toast because it, relatively speaking, feels easier. It feels easier to cut out an avocado toast than it does to um, downsize and move to a cheaper home or to sell your car and pay cash for a 
older, less expensive vehicle. But by virtue of lowering those fixed costs, you you give yourself the breathing room, the flexibility to have the av- the occasional avocado toast or to go to the movies to see Barbenheimer on the weekend <laughs> that it comes out, right? Like you give yourself the flexibility to be able to do that despite the fact that movie tickets are an astronomical price now. And so I think that that's how you clean up the pollution when it comes to cash flow is by focusing on fewer but bigger and more fixed things rather than the daily leakage. Yeah, make the big decisions. I really like that, the focus on the big decisions. Mm -hmm. Elaine, let's talk about the other side of that, earning money. A lot of people focus on the budget, but I think there's also opportunities to bring more income. There's got to be times when you sat down with somebody and you're like, listen, we just got to help you bring in more money in the front door. Absolutely. And the biggest pollutant for that is your mind, that maybe you think that you can't do it because money is not enough. But it's so funny because it's a Celestine prophecy, right? If money is not enough and you hit it enough times, then absolutely it's going to become a reality. So what one should start saying is how, how, (laughs) this is like a key tip, how, how can I make enough or how can I make $100,000? How can I make abundant money? right? Because not even limit yourself. And most of the time, the solution for it is either more education, certifications, more networking, not only guide your money to your actions, but also time. I mean, that's the first thing I did when I became an entrepreneur. It was scary. I had a lot of doubts. I didn't have a manual guarantee that I was going to make a lot of money or anything. I mean, the first month when you become an entrepreneur, it's zero. So, you know, from somebody that comes from a W2 corporate 20-year career, it's scary. So the first thing that one should do is also allocate the time like you allocate the budget of your money. Mm. So Paula's point, she was talking about keeping your fix low. Also, keep your fix on your time low. So for example, if grocery shopping is going to take you two hours for some weird reason, then do a delivery or go once a week as opposed to go every day. Any other stuff that takes too much time, delegate, subcontract, or Make sure that your time is getting to use. And you do that also by, uh, it was a formula, so easy. (laughs) You calculate how much is your time worth. Know how much your time is valued at. This is a big aha, I think, for a lot of people, Len, is that when Elaine talks about something like Instacart or deliveries and saving time, actually sometimes spending more money is actually the answer. And I think especially for people that listen to financial shows, that's like throwing cold water in your face. There's lots of reasons why spending more money is, it can help you out. I, I mean, it's kind of like the old thing with um, quality over, you know, sometimes like when you're buying products, you want to buy, you'll, you'll spend more because it'll last longer. You know, you're buying less of the products over time than buying a whole bunch of cheap things that you're that you have to replace every year say. You know, that that happens a lot with all kinds of especially big ticket items. It's usually worth paying more over the long haul than to pay less and pay more of it over time. So, absolutely that's one way to to help you out. I have an example. Um I'm drinking positive energy tea and every time I used to go to the local supermarket they were out of it and when they had it it was like double the price. But I went online and I found now I order in six pack, right? And so I don't have to go to the supermarket every time this runs out. And I save about two a box. So I'm saving $10. I don't have to think about having to go and go to this supermarket or that one because they ran out of it. So to your point, Len, we have to be very smart about time because, I mean, time has to do with money and also 
we have to make time for the things that we love to do, like being with the family and doing exercise and, you know, feeding our mind yeah. in the well-being side too. That's funny, Lane. You do that with that drink. Doug does that with scotch. Get some six at a time. And, uh, <laughs> really? yeah. oh, for sure. <laughs> true, true story out of the back of some guy's trunk at the mobile station on the corner. It's fantastic. <laughs> he heard he's going to be blind in two years, but yeah. <laughs> Paula Elaine, I think is singing off your song sheet here, isn't she? Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of valuing your time because it is a non-renewable resource. You can always make more money. You can never make more time, especially as an entrepreneur. The more that you can trade your money for to use your money to buy back your time, uh, the better. Because um, actually, a piece of advice that I got from Laura Vanderkam, which I absolutely love, she said, the first thing you should do is fill your schedule with all the things that you cannot delegate, like exercising or calling your God, mom. I'd love to delegate right? you exercising. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't pay somebody to like run a mile on your behalf. And, and those are often the things that you can't delegate are often the things that you just don't do because you have instead mm. filled your schedule with things that otherwise actually could be delegated. That's totally pollutants. Absolutely. Time pollution. Yeah. Uh, Len, you are someone who spent your career working in a big machine. You know, there's a lot of people out there. We talk about more money, afraid to ask for that raise. So let's clear up some pollution around getting a raise. Where do we start if we're afraid to go ask the boss for a raise? Well, I, the biggest thing, and I tell both my kids this, is all year long, you should be recording your accomplishments and your value to the company or your boss or whoever that is. And as you do that, you, you can see your value to the company, or you can also see where you're not providing value to the company over time. You'll, if you don't have a lot of, bunch of bullet points after month three or month four on the job, you, better, you, you should be in trouble. But you put that list together, and it makes it so easy. It makes it so easy to go into the boss and just say, boss, I'm worth this. You know, I'm worth this big of a raise, and here's why. You hand the paper over to them with the bullet points. And what can they say? That's what I did my entire career, and it was very successful. They really have nowhere to go when you when you show them what your value to the company. So that's fabulous. Elaine, do you have something else? Yes. And Len, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I can tell you what I did on a personal level because I was in corporate for 20 years. And just as a woman, I mean, Hispanic set aside, it was hard for me to get promoted. I was given a lot of bosses, given because the bosses will quit completely opposite of my physical appearance, of course. So anyway, what I did is I had to create confidence and how I created confidence is I went online and there are a few of the websites that you put all your accolades and your education, and your experience, and it tells you how much you're worth. Because sometimes we are our worst enemy, right? And we think, oh no, we've not worked that much. And with that amount, I mean, that was still not enough. And I'll tell you one specific anecdote, which was, I actually said, okay, screw it. If they're not going to increase my salary, I'm going to go somewhere else. So I start interviewing and I interview for about 50% more. And I got the offer letter and I talked to my boss and I said, you know, I wish for all the things I've done, this company will value me as much as this other company. And they said, oh my God, let me talk to the owner. And I got my increase. So if anybody's here and, and doesn't have that confidence, believe me, just get the confidence externally and then apply it to it works, I think. I love how, Elaine, you didn't include an ultimatum to your boss. You just said, I wish this would happen because I think, Len... Maybe a couple of years ago, you told a story about a guy who said, hey, I th I'm worth this and I'm leaving if you don't pay me that. Ultimatum didn't go his way. Yeah, I won't say his last name, but old Paul uh, told 
our boss. He told our boss, he, and he even told me before this was going to happen that he was going to go in there and do it. And he made up that he had an offer for X dollars more than he's making, and he was going to leave. Well, he was bluffing, and the boss told him to get lost. Basically, goodbye. Thanks for resigning, and and uh, good luck in your new job. Yeah. So it was hilarious. Yeah, I think I like Elaine's <laughs> better where she actually had a firm offer and had done some research yeah. versus the versus the bluff, too. <laughs> Well, speaking of, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out, <laughs> as the boss said to Paul, uh, we're going to close the door on the first half of this show. Uh, later on, we're going to do a few very quick strategies around risk management, investments, tax planning. But before that, at the midway point of every show, we have a trivia competition between our three frequent contributors, Len Penzo, Paula Pan, and of course, my co-host, OG, who has the day off. So Elaine, you are playing for Team OG which means there's some good news and some bad news. Would you like the good news first or the bad news? The bad news. Well, the bad news is, is that even though OG has won the last two years in a row, somehow, weirdly, he is in last place. I have no idea how he's in last place, but OG has 11, Len has 12, and Paula Pant has 12. Paula, by the way, We've said over and over, most people, I think, would agree that Paul is the smartest person in most rooms, but she is always in last place in our trivia, but not this year. We will see. The good news there, too, Elaine, for you means you're going to get to guess last. Uh, Len will guess first. Paula is going to go second, and then you get to go third once you hear their answers. All right. But first, we need a trivia question. And for that, we turn to my mom's neighbor, Doug. What do we got today, Doug? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, people keep telling me I need to put myself out there and date more. And by people, I mean Joe's mom. And by date more, she means just leave the house. Which reminds me that on this day in 1650, a man named Henry Robinson opened the world's first ever dating agency. Man, that's crazy. I didn't know they had apps back then. Although matchmakers already existed in the form of meddlesome neighbors, the Robinson Citizen Advice Bureau was the first formal dating agency of its kind. These days, with dozens of dating apps on the market like Bumble, OkCupid, and the new one I'm launching, Doug Finder, there's no shortage of places to find love. Today's matchmaking is a multi-billion dollar industry. In fact, swiping pioneer Tinder pulled in over $440 million in revenue in the first quarter of this year alone. Today's trivia question is, what percentage of people on Tinder are either married or in a committed relationship? <laughs> I'll be back right after I set up my profile on Doug Finder. You didn't see that one coming, did you? I didn't see that question coming. Oh, that's fantastic. Is before? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Once they get caught, that number lane may change, right? Yeah. Len, uh, you've got first guess here. What percentage of people on Tinder either married or in committed relationships? Hmm. Boy, that's probably higher than, <laughs> um, boy, oh boy, Tinder. This is, this is on Tinder, yes. right? Not on eHarmony or oh, one yeah. of those. Gee, like you've never heard of Tinder, Len. Oh, Len's like, I don't know. Thing? Let me go check my profile. <laughs> you know what? I think it's high. I, I, I really think it's pretty high. I'll say 44%. For almost one out of two people. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. 44%. Paula, what do you think about that? I'm going to go lower. I'm going to guess 20%. 20%. A reason why? One, one in five. You have a little more faith in humanity than Lynn does. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. One in, one in five. There's some Lynn. Lynn's a little cynical. Uh, all right, Elaine, you got 44% and 20%. What do you think? I agree with Paula. However, this is a game, so I'm going to go with 30%. 30%. You're going to go right uh, down the middle, kick a field goal, as they say. But you think it might be less than that? Is that what you're implying? Well, I was trying to think of networking events. I mean, this is how I was reasoning. I was recently at a networking event. We were five and two or three were divorced. So I was kind of using that statistic. I didn't ask why they were divorced, but... I was trying to use that statistic and I was saying, wow, I didn't know. I thought it was one in, in five that were divorced, but in this case, it were, I think, two or three. Wow. So 30%, I think. 30%. Um, a lot of the clients that I've had, I mean, some of them, I don't know. I mean, we can have another show about this, but does infidelity come before or after financial money conflicts? But I think they're very close together. No, that is a whole separate show that uh, maybe we'll have you back around Valentine's Day for the anti-Valentine's Day <laughs> episode. I, I don't know. Well, Len's got 44%. Elaine's got 30 Paula's got 20 We want to tell you who's right, but we're going to take just a little break here. We'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because 
Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Len, you kicked it off with 44%. You feeling good? Because both Paula and Lane went uh, significantly lower than you. Yeah, no, I'm... I, I, my cynicism probably uh, screwed me on this one. So yeah, no, I don't think I'm not feeling good. Paula, Elaine didn't do what some guests do and go like 21. So you've got a little breathing room at 20. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I basically have that 25% and under kind of category. Yeah, Paula. And also, Elaine, you got a nice mid-range at 30. You feeling good? Yes. All right. Well, let's see. Paula and Elaine both confident. Len not. Doug, what's our answer? Hey there, stackers. I'm app inventor and world's fastest right hand. I mean to swipe. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. If you're looking for a partner in crime or even in love, there's plenty of places for you to start looking. At the grocery store, in the park, at Joe's mom's house. There's even a handful of dating apps that cater to individual denominations like J-Date. Christian Mingle and Farmers Only. If you are on one of the apps, odds are you're using one that's part of Match Group, which owns the largest portfolio of dating apps worldwide. Within that conglomerate, Tinder alone rakes in nearly 60% of its parent company's total revenue. Today's trivia question was, what percentage of people on Tinder are either married or in a committed relationship? You know, we could have asked you, what percentage of your assets will you lose once your partner finds out? But that would be too easy. <laughs> well, what was the answer? Still not going to tell you just yet. What I will tell you is that Paula was way off. Elaine was a little bit off. And Len was even a little bit less off because the answer is 42%, meaning yeah. Len is our winner. There's 42% of the people on there who already have a partner. Wake up, people. That is so ugly. Wow, Len, I, I I did not want you to be that correct. I have to say that was I, well, my cynicism was correct. But after Elaine and Paula gave their guesses, I was like, well, maybe I am too cynical. But uh, yeah, no. it's the world we want to see that we think we live in, but I guess we don't. Mm. I totally agree, Elaine. I was hoping the number was like two mm. or less. Right, you know, two percent or less. Yeah. All right, time for the second half of our discussion is brought to you by DepositAccounts.com. Elaine, you know what happens when you go to DepositAccounts.com? No, tell me. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Thanks for asking. I'm really excited go- <laughs> about that. <laughs> when you go to Deposit Accounts, you find that you can compare more than 275,000 deposit rates from over 11,000 banks at credit unions. You could compare for free and actually have it pulled up. And this is going to come out a little bit after I read these, so make sure you go there yourself to look at the rates. But right on the front page, we see the national average on a savings account as we record this is 0.45%, but the top 1% average, 4.74%. So a huge difference. Money markets, top 1% average, 4.59, while the national average, only 0.77. Man, get those deposit accounts taken care of. Go to depositaccounts.com. All right. Let's dive into the second half. Elaine, let's start with you as our distinguished guest. Let's clean up the pollution around risk management strategies. Because, man, when you're in online forums, at least when I'm in online forums, I see a lot of people talking junk about insurances as as an example and getting some things really wrong. 
Yeah, so one of the pollutions, I think, is, to all of your points, spending money where you're not supposed to. And I remember the first time I was interviewed, the reporter asked me, Lane, should I use my money to take my kid to Disney World or buy health insurance? And I was so shocked by that question. And I think that's You said clearly Disney World. (laughs) No, I was shocked. I was like, what? As human beings, we don't invest in this type of things, but insurance is a need because when something happens, like a hurricane or a loss of job or whatever that is, um, then your your money is going to be diminished greatly. And sometimes people think that they're really gaining, the, you know, getting ahead of the game by not spending on insurance. But I think you need insurance, at least the core insurance is, is very important. So the pollutant would be your distractions in your mind saying Disney World today versus insurance long term. And there are certain insurances that you don't need. But the core is the auto, of course, the house and your health. Auto, house and health. Let's talk about the ones that we might not need. Paula, what's a popular insurance that you see people have that they could probably discard? Uh, For most people, whole life insurance. Now, that's not term life. That's different. But whole life insurance for the majority of people, unless you have a very high income and it's a tax strategy kind of a thing, uh, you probably don't need that. Jewelry insurance, insurance on basically insurance on anything that you could reasonably pay for out of pocket, you probably don't need. Education insurance. There's an education insurance? I'll tell you, there's two that I think we really don't. Is, is There's vet insurance. And then for people here in Southern California is earthquake insurance, which the state sends every year. They say, hey, you know, you want earthquake insurance? You got to do it because your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover it. But the problem is with the earthquake insurance is the deductible is so huge that it just, at least for me, I'm not giving advice, people. You make your own decisions, do your own research. But it's just that I cannot see the amount of damage being done to my home uh, just from a normal shaking and of an of a earthquake because the structures out here are already built to code. And I mean, I can't see anything more than broken windows adding up to, you know, these huge, for example, for my home, the deductible will be like almost $40,000. I cannot see $40,000 worth of insurance in even the worst earthquake out here. Well, I think to your point, Len and Paula, it's double insurance is the worst insurance. Sometimes your credit card has the insurance. Sometimes your, you know, to the jewelry oh. in your home. I mean, double insurance is so hard. Sometimes mm. people buy it because they don't know that they have it already. Well and, well, and I think to your point, Elaine, some of the riders I see on insurance policies, like they'll they'll have a AAA membership that includes towing. And lo and behold, they also have towing on their car insurance. So they're doubling that way as well. Yes. Uh, Len, let's talk about the vet insurance because it's interesting. We had a professor from MIT talking about how, man, these these pet insurance policies, they are very expensive. But if somebody really, 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 really loves Fido and uh, wants to see Fido as a member of the family, people eat that insurance up. It's almost like it's more emotional than it is uh, fiscal responsibility. You know, you make a good point, Joe. And I, you know, I guess it is on your mindset because, um, I mean, I love my animals. I love them to death, but I do have a financial limit. To me, they're still animals. And there's a financial point where you just say, well, it's a dog, you know, I love you to death, but it's time to go. Len, I think the phrase love you to death <laughs> is probably, probably indicative. I have to say though, I have a neighbor and we have some good friends who both had dogs who had cancer and they both put them through very expensive chemotherapy. We're talking five figures and they spent the money. So, I mean, there are people out there, maybe that's when the insurance would be worth it. I have a client that actually texted me when that dog was very, very ill. I said, Elaine, I'm about to spend, I don't know, it was five or 10,000, but it's the only way he's going to live. And she did, and he died. Like, right? I mean, oh, right. The, the, 
So mm. I think we need to be very knowledgeable and careful what we're doing because I always tell my clients, you need to know where the motivation comes from the person that's giving you the advice. Who was giving you that advice? I wasn't. <laughs> you know, is, is a vet giving you the advice? Is the insurance giving you the advice? Who's the interested party here? There's some pollution in our thinking right there, Elaine. We don't think critically enough about who is telling us to do something. We take stuff that we think is well-meaning advice, but we don't look behind that advice. I think that's pollution. Yeah, we always joke about, I don't know, they just discovered that bacon was healthy. I mean, who wrote that? The Bacon Society? A you genius. Know, <laughs> 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 Elaine, you're a real, co- you're a comedian, Matt. You're very good. I've, I've, uh, I like you. <laughs> Thank you. We do. <laughs> I like you guys too. Seriously, real estate. No, the real estate market's going up. Who wrote that? A realtor? I mean, you know, I mean, we have to know who writes these papers. And ideally, it's a combination of things and, and understanding that. So, Kayla. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Let's go to investments before we say goodbye, Paula. Let's talk about pollutants in our investment strategy. Where do we begin there? Mm, uh, chasing novelty is a pollutant. Uh, thinking things should be more complicated than they need to be because we feel as though you know, some people have an aversion to inaction. And so they think that if they're constantly checking their accounts and shuffling things around, that that action, you know, we're we're taught in every other element of our life that hard work corresponds to better results, right? In, In our careers, that's true. In our academics, that's true. In fitness, that's true. Investing is, you know, with a passively managed index strategy, it's the one area where less is more. It truly does feel like, uh, I mean, investments, it's it's funny thing, Len, that investing should be boring. I think you're on board with that too, right? Well, ideally, yeah. When it's not boring, that means you're either doing really good or you're doing really poorly. This is a guy who invests in rocks. So hell yes, he likes it to be boring. I will say this though. I think you can have pollution in the opposite direction too. If you're investing in something that you're not an expert in, um, sometimes I do believe it's worth paying somebody who's an expert in the field you're investing in to pay that 1% or half percent. I've, I use this example all the time. For example, I'm in mining stocks. I'm not an expert in mining at all. I'm not a geologist. I don't know. And they're very volatile stocks. So I pay a professional to manage my portfolio of mining stocks just because uh, I, I couldn't sleep at night if I was doing it on my own. It is so interesting to me, our fixation on fees and, and Elaine, I mean, cutting fees are definitely important, but sometimes I think Len's right. We get the cart before the horse there. Yes. Uh, what comes to mind is that famous quote by Warren Buffett, that price is what you pay and value is what you get. Mm. So mm-hmm. there's so much truth to that. I learned this when I was in a W-2 anymore, because when you have a salary, you know, it's hard to put yourself in the position of an entrepreneur, like once you have a service and you're asking for a discount, you're really asking them to work a little harder for less, but you're expecting the same value. So you have to be careful. I mean, I'm talking to the end consumer here. When you ask for a discount, you're actually asking for a favor. So uh, be careful. And and if you want a Rolls Royce, you got to pay for a Rolls Royce. (laughs) If you get the price of a, you know, of a bicycle and you're expecting a Rolls Royce, that's unreal. So I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. Don't overpay. But too often we think, especially money geeks, hey, what do I pay for that is our first question. And I think what you're saying is my first question should be, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And then 
is the fee commiserate with that. Let's stick with you for a second in tax planning. Where where do we have pollution in our tax planning? Misinformation. Uh, there's so much, many accounts the government gives us. I mean, we all know the IRA, Roth IRA, the regular one, the health HSA. There's so many. I mean, for kids, the Coverdale uh, tax credits. So misinformation is the biggest pollutant. I would suggest people to go. I, I do this before I go to my accountant every year. I go to Google or IRS and I look at the new deductions that are eligible for the year. And I make sure that I'm taking full advantage of that before that year end. So planning for taxes is also very important. And as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of uh, flexibility that you can apply for deductions. Anything to add there, Len? If you're going to do your own taxes, hopefully they're simple. I mean, if they're complex, you should go, again, I'd say go to a professional and make sure they're a professional because I know of people who have who've gone to non-professionals and have gotten a nasty letter from the IRS and they realized that the non-professional who did their taxes totally screwed them over. Because That's remember, a- you are responsible for your taxes. You're si- even no matter who does those taxes for you, you are responsible ultimately. One big faux pas that I see that people do is, special entrepreneurs, is that they don't allot for taxes and then they complain where they're going to get money to pay for taxes. So I suggest to all the clients to have a little account called taxes. Because if you make a dollar, that's not the dollar that you have to put in your pocket. You always have to allot for the taxes at the end of the year. Boy, and set that aside right away. Because if you don't, you'll get behind this rolling wall that's a ball that's out of control. I see people do that all the time. Oh, the next deal I do, I will make sure and set that money aside for taxes. And that never happens. Uh, You know, a pollutant that I see in this area is people lend to your point with a professional. They evaluate their professional based on how big of a refund they get. Exactly. Wow. That is exactly right. Wow. Yes. I you see this all the Jeez. time. Hey, I go to this person, they got me a much bigger refund. Wow. It was great. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Wow. Not even realizing. Well, people don't realize, Paula, that's a function of your withholding, right? So this person's being evaluated on something that's not even in their control, wow. which blows me away. Yeah. Let's end this discussion, Paula, with yours. Anything to add on tax planning? Whew. Don't, uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do <laughs> Unless you're basically an 18-year-old with just a W-2, right? Unless you have a very simple situation. I think everyone benefits from having a CPA. So get a CPA, get a good one. And how do you know the difference between a good one versus a mediocre one? Do they act like they work for you or do they act like they work for the IRS? Right? I think as you converse with them, you'll be able to to sense that. Isn't the other way you can tell Paula is that they get you big fat stacks of cash as a return? <laughs> yeah. a stacks of Benjamin. I'm sure that's the other way you know <laughs> that they're good. Duh. Uh, that's a good place, I think, to end it. There's so many more areas we didn't touch on. I mean, we didn't talk at all about education planning. We didn't talk at all about estate planning. There's so much pollution all over the place, but hopefully we help people clear up some of it. Let's find out where everybody's working on now. I love hearing the projects that you have going, the things going on in your backyard. We'll have our guest of honor go last. Let's start with you, Len. Uh, what's going on at lenpenzo.com? Well, first, I want to thank everybody for uh, coming by my site and clicking on all those ads last week. Uh, you've just made me a ton of money, and I will be going out for a nice dinner tonight. Thank you. But just remember, Len, what need is that fulfilling? (laughs) What need? My hunger. (laughs) I 
I'm kidding, people. I'm kidding. I am rerunning an old article from about 10 years ago when my daughter was just uh, 12 years old, where she wrote about her five biggest money fears as a 12-year-old. I remember. This was so good. Well, she wrote many articles for me, but this was one of them. And I think this one actually got on MSN as as well. She had a couple that got on MSN, uh, but this was one of them. And uh, so I'm rerunning that just for just for fun this week at uh, lenpenzo.com. My daughter's five biggest money fears. It's really interesting now that she's 24 now. Anyway, it's really funny looking back now and seeing what she was afraid of back when she was 12, you know, so it's really it's cool. It's still so great. I do remember that piece. It is a wild thing to think about how much a 12-year-old thinks about money and fear. Yeah, yeah. we don't give 12-year-olds yeah. enough credit for some of the fear that they have around money already uh, starting up. Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have uh, a series of great interviews coming up. We've got Noah Kagan, who writes about a million-dollar weekend, how to kickstart a business. We have, um, let's see, who else are we interviewing? Oh, Seth Stevens Davidowitz. He writes about using data to get what you really want in life. So why you should not trust your gut and instead make data-based decisions, data-driven decisions. And then, of course, every other episode, Joe, you join me and we answer audience questions. And in the best episodes, we disagree. (laughs) And uh, we recorded one this morning where we disagreed. Yep, exactly. That's it. Afford anything where finer podcasts are listened to. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us. It It was so fun having you here. Thanks a ton. Thank you. You want to hear my project? Absolutely. What do you got going on in your backyard at ElaineKing.com? Funny you ask. Let me read them. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, the the first one that comes to my mind is I was just on the call before we started this conversation. I'm launching my eighth book and it happens. All right. Thank you. With Penguin Random House. And uh, it's a children's book and it's teaching children uh, how to save with a purpose how to do a business that's sustainable, and how to um, share with the community in an impactful way. And I am aligning myself with educational institutions or financial institutions to to help spread the word, um, mostly in Peru and in Latin America, because I think that's where uh, the kids need it more. And it's for kids between 8 and 11. So hopefully I'll have it in Amazon or something like that, but I'm not launching it till probably November. Uh, but that's the project I'm working on. Besides, you know, growing the RA and financial planning and all that. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know how you had time to fit this in with all the cool projects you've going on. I was going to say, I just met you today, Elaine, and I would have to say, I really wish you had a little more ambition in life. It just right. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk online. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Wonder, yeah, it totally wishes you had something going on. Like your your life seems so boring. Well, you got to come back in November and talk about it. So let's make sure that we talk about the book when you release it. I will have the book and show you and everything. Oh, that'll be fabulous. Congratulations. And I always love helping kids. It's so, so rewarding helping kids. Speaking of kids. Speaking of kids, we're about to hand it over to Doug. (laughs) Uh, You'll find everything Elaine at ElaineKing.com. And we'll also link to that in our show notes. But Doug, I think you've got that. But even before that, let's put a pin on this. Um, Lots of takeaways today, but what are our top three? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Elaine King and create a financial well-being checklist to help you manage, save, invest, and protect your money. Second, don't forget that some of the financial pollution in your plan may be internal. Think twice about your relationship with money and look for ways to eliminate the negativity. But the big lesson... 
Contrary to what I thought in the seventh grade, staring at someone across the gym does not mean they're on board with a date or, or even a dance. You got to walk up to them and you got to say, I can't fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> or pretty soon, if you don't do anything, she'll be Jesse's girl. That's what I learned. Thanks to Elaine King for joining us today. You can find out more about Elaine at ElaineKing.com. We'll also include links in our show notes at StackingBenjamins.com. Thanks to Paula Pant for hanging out with us today. You'll find her fabulous podcast, <laughs> Afford Anything, wherever you listen to finer podcasts. And finally, thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at LenPenzo.com slash MoneyLeakage slash Depends. <laughs> This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course, you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of this show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Youngkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. Say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Wait, where are you going? I was going to make espresso. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.